Good morning, church. Buenos días, iglesia. ¿Cómo están? How are you doing? Come on, how are you doing? ¿Cómo están los que hablan español? Yes. My name is Pastor Gabby and I want to welcome you this morning. Mi nombre es Gabby, soy la pastora de mujeres y les quiero dar la bienvenida a todos esta mañana. Today is a very special day. Today is the day the Lord has made for you to practice your language skills. How's that? In case you haven't picked it up yet, the entire service is being offered in English and Spanish because we're celebrating Pentecost and both our congregations are here together under the same roof. So we're excited for that. Uh, just celebrating diversity here at, at Cedar Mill. Uh, our desire this morning is to recreate what happened on the day of Pentecost. And we're going to be preaching in English and Spanish, and we're going to have the translation on the screens, and it's going to be a beautiful mess. And you are going to love it. Because that's what it felt like for a few people that on the day of Pentecost, like a mess. But it was really just a beautiful depiction of God's love for his people and how he poured out his spirit on all nations so that his message of love could be conveyed in all languages and through all cultures and all people. Para los que hablan español, ustedes están más acostumbrados al inglés, pero aún así les doy la bienvenida en español. Estamos celebrando el, Pentecostés, el día de Pentecostés, estamos todos juntos, lo estamos celebrando y, y vamos a estar predicando en los dos idiomas con la traducción en las pantallas, igual la necesitan, igual y no, ya veremos, pero, <laughs> pero va, a estar, va a estar muy bueno. So I just have a few updates for you and while I share them, I'm going to ask the ushers to please come forward. Uh, KidFest is coming up soon, and today is the last day to sign up, to have your kids signed up, and also to have you sign up as a volunteer. And there's still room for both of those, but we especially want to invite you to volunteer. We do want to thank everyone that has signed up already. We have hundreds of people that have said yes to this challenge, but we need 100 more. And today is the last day, so please take a leap of faith. Invest in the life of our children for just one week, and I'm sure that God is going to bless you. And if you really cannot be part of, uh, of this week, maybe you have a full-time job and you just cannot take a a whole week, there is a list of items that you can donate and you can just check, you can check it out, out in the lobby table and you can sign up there as well. El KitFest está por llegar, hace unas cuantas semanas para que estemos celebrando este campamento de verano para nuestros niños en esta iglesia. Queremos invitarlos a que se registren. Hoy es el último día para registrarse, tanto a sus hijos como a ustedes como voluntarios. Tenemos ya cientos de personas que, que, que firmaron no firmaron, que se registraron y estamos agradecidos por eso, pero necesitamos 100 más. Así es que tomen un paso de fe, apúntense, ayuden si pueden y si no pueden estar aquí hay una lista que tenemos al frente que la pueden revisar. Also, there is an informational uh, meeting coming up next Sunday about a short-term mission trip to Malawi. And Andrew Palau and Wendy Palau are going to be uh, leading this meeting. And yes, woo where are they? Are you here, Andrew? Woo! Yes! So they're here. They're going to be telling us the details about this awesome opportunity, how you can serve, how you can be part of it. It's going to take place in room 101. It's over there. Uh, it's going to take place between services 10-15. Hay una junta para un viaje misionero que se va a hacer para Malawi. Andrew y Wendy Palau, again, 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 que están ahí. <laughs> Ellos van a dar la, la, todos los detalles de este viaje, lo, cómo pueden participar y cómo pueden apoyar. 10:15 próximo domingo en el salón 101. And with that, let's pray for the rest of our service. Um, 
If you want to close your eyes and just pray with me. Father God, this morning we are grateful for your love and your desire to be close to us. We want to lift up um, the rest of the service to you. We want to ask your spirit to speak to us, to guide us, to teach us, and to continue to point us back to you. Padre, estamos agradecidos por este tiempo. Queremos declarar tu nombre en lo alto. Queremos honrarte con cada palabra que digamos de hoy. Y te damos las gracias por esta oportunidad. Te amamos en el nombre de tu Hijo, Jesús. Amén. We're going to read today's scripture. Uh, it's going to be Acts 2, and it's going to be beautiful. We're going to read it in six different languages, starting with Steve Hanamura reading in Braille. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. My name is Hazuki Camp, and I will be reading in Japanese. Sate, Erusaremu niwa keiken na yudajajin tachiga tenka no aruyuru kuni kara kite sundeitaga konomono oto ga okuruto osein no hitobito ga atsumatte kita彼らは、それぞれ自分の国のことばで、停止立ちが話を聞いて、驚き、驚きありてしまった。彼らは、驚き、あじゃしんでいた。どうでしょう、今話していることの人たちは、みんなガリラの人ではありませんかそれらのに
ogeru kwa ngwe kwazo kachina kekuru nga wosa ufodu ni ime mwom naro anwaro nile bumadu umu unu ndi ikom na umu unu ndi nyom gabu kwa amuma umu ukorobia unu gahu kwa hu njyo kenyo unu gaharo kwa nro My name is Petra, and I'm going to be reading in Dutch. Ja, over al mijn dienaren en dienaressen zal ik in die tijd mijn geest uitgieten, zodat ze zullen profiteren. Ik zal wonderen doen verschijnen aan de hemel boven en tekenen geven op de aarde beneden, bloed en vuur en rook. De zon zal veranderd worden in duisternis en de maan in bloed voordat de grote stralende dag van de Heer komt. Dan zal ieder die de naam van de Heer aanroept, worden gered. Big thank you to our readers today. Good morning, friends. I will not be translating my own message, um, like Pastor Gabby, who did that really in a cool way. Um, but we are going to talk today about the story of Pentecost and what it meant and what it means for us. And so as we jump into our story this morning, let me set the scene for you. Let me remind you of what is happening as we dive in. At this point of the story, we are freshly on the other side of the resurrection. Jesus has been crucified, buried, Risen. In Acts chapter 1, we learn that he's been appearing to and spending time with his followers. He's been uh, calling them to mission. He's promised that he will be with them. He's asked them to stay in Jerusalem, where he's told them that they are going to receive power and will not be left to walk out this journey of faith on their own. But then all of a sudden, right in the middle of Acts chapter 1, we read this. He, that's Jesus, was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And so all of a sudden, once again, he is gone. And now they are left. Left to wonder, they're left to hope, they're left to wait. And this is actually where our story begins today. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So here they are in Jerusalem, the followers of Jesus gathered together, waiting on the day of Pentecost. First question, what is this day of Pentecost? Well, two things, two important things about Pentecost. First of all, it marked the all-important wheat harvest in the land of Israel. Pentecost was this moment when people would collectively and as a community give thanks to God for his provision. Thank you, Lord, for providing for us, your people. So that's first. But second, and and primarily, perhaps most importantly, Pentecost was a celebration of the moment when Moses had received the Ten Commandments from God on Mount Sinai. You see, Pentecost is actually just a word that means 50 and this festival, this celebration was called Pentecost because the rabbis estimated that there were about 50 days between the moment when uh, God delivered his people from slavery in Egypt, the Passover, 
50 days between that moment and the moment when Moses goes up on Mount Sinai to receive the law, the Ten Commandments, the Torah. So Pentecost is this day where the Jews were celebrating the defining marker, the defining characteristic of them being God's people. And that was the fact that they had been given his law. Just central to what it meant to be Jewish. How did they, how did the Jews know they were God's people? They were his people because they had been given his law. How did they live out and act as his people? They followed the law he gave. So law was at the very center. But, but now, God will take this celebration, this festival, this remembrance, and he will use it to redefine some things. And in this moment, he's going to show us, he's going to show the early church what it is that truly makes us followers. What are the things that truly define us as God's people? And this morning, as we look at the story, we're going to talk about four things. Four things that now define us as God's people on the other side of the resurrection. Here's the first one. Pentecost shows us the personal presence of God. It says this, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Now, as we read about this event, it may seem a little strange to us, and we may have our own thoughts or interpretations, but it's important to pause and consider what the people there would have been thinking. What does this event, what do these signs mean to them? These things that are like a violent wind, this manifestation that seems like tongues of fire. What does this imagery say uh, to the folks who were there? Well, throughout the Old Testament, there were these moments, these very specific, very important moments when God shows up in a very tangible way. One's in Genesis 15. God makes a covenant with Abraham. He says, I'm going to be your God. I'm going to be with you. And he shows himself to Abraham through a blazing torch. And then in Exodus 3, God appears to Moses um, as flames of fire from within a burning bush. And in this moment, God tells Moses that as he goes back to Egypt to confront Pharaoh, he will be with him. I'll be with you, Moses, he says. In 1 Kings 19, the great prophet Elijah is, is having a moment of despair. He's feeling isolated and alone. And just before God comes to him to meet him and to be with him, there is a great and powerful wind. There's an earthquake. There's a fire. You see, uh, for these first century Jews, wind and fire were very clear images. They were reminders to them that God is not far off. That he's right there. That even when you feel overwhelmed and helpless and isolated and alone, God's personal presence is with you. And that's the first message of Pentecost today. That's the first defining characteristic of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ on this side of the resurrection. In a very personal way, God says this, I am with you. And so the question, the first question this morning is this. Do you need some wind today? 
Do you need some fire in your life? Do you need to be reminded that in the midst of whatever it is you are facing, in whatever challenge or difficulty or uncertainty or opportunity it is that lies before you, God's presence is available to you this morning through the power and presence of his Holy Spirit. Friends, I know this can can seem like such a simple and basic message, and yet is that it is at the very core, it is at the very center, it is at the very start of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be one of God's kids in this world. First and foremost, Pentecost shows and reminds us that our God is not a far-off God. His personal presence is always available to you. He's right there beside you. Tag. Me toca. Muy bien. El pastor Dave nos acaba de hablar sobre la presencia personal de Dios y yo les voy a hablar sobre su poder transformador. Esto tiene que ver con el poder que recibimos en el momento en el que desciende en nosotros el Espíritu Santo. Vamos a leer nuestra, a continuar nuestra escritura de hoy. El versículo 4 dice que ahí en medio del caos, en medio del viento, en medio del fuego, de pronto... Todos fueron llenos del Espíritu Santo y comenzaron a hablar en diferentes lenguas según el Espíritu les daba habilidad. Hechos 2.4 Lo primero que vemos en este versículo es que el Espíritu Santo no solo se le fue dado a unos pocos. Ahí no dice que solamente se le dio a los judíos o solamente a los que se portaban bien. No. Ahí dice que el Espíritu Santo se le fue dado a todos, sin excepción. Y tan pronto como lo recibieron, empezaron a hablar en diferentes lenguas. Y ahorita el pastor, el pastor Matt nos va a explicar qué significa eso. A lo que yo les quiero apuntar es al hecho en el que en el momento en que ellos reciben el Espíritu, de pronto comenzaron a hacer cosas que antes no podían hacer solos. Qué interesante, ¿no? Hicieron cosas que antes simplemente no podían hacer. En este caso lo que hicieron, lo que pudieron hacer fue hablar en diferentes lenguas. Pero el día de hoy tenemos muchísimas formas en las que experimentamos este poder. Y una de las más comunes es cuando estamos leyendo la Biblia y de repente entendemos algo que antes nunca habíamos entendido. Y eso nos pasa a todas horas, siempre. Cuando, cuando leemos un pasaje que hemos leído cientos de veces y de repente algo nos hace clic, algo nos cae el 20 y por fin entendemos el significado de ese pasaje. Seguro les ha pasado, les ha pasado, ¿no? Uh -huh. Bueno, cada vez que eso les pase, pueden estar seguros que ese poder se los dio el mismísimo Espíritu de Dios. Ese poder de entendimiento, de discernimiento. Job 32.8 dice que quien da entendimiento al hombre es el Espíritu que en él avisa, habita, perdón, el alito de Todopoderoso. Ahora, el poder del Espíritu Santo no es solamente entendimiento, también es fuerza, es paciencia, bondad, amor, dominio propio. En pocas palabras, es todo aquello que nos ayuda a parecernos más a Cristo. Todo aquello que nos hace parecernos a Cristo. El apóstol Pablo se lo dijo así a los corintios. Todos nosotros que con el rostro descubierto reflejamos como un espejo la gloria del Señor, somos transformados a su semejanza con más y más gloria para la acción del Señor, que es el Espíritu. 
La única forma en la que podemos ser transformados en la imagen de Cristo es por el poder del Espíritu Santo. Y esto es importante saberlo, porque cuando se trata de nuestro propio caminar con Dios, la mayoría de nosotros cree que para ser mejores tenemos que intentar más duro. ¿A poco no? Eso es lo que hacemos. Pero el, espíritu, el, el, el día de Pentecostés nos recuerda que esa no es la forma de hacerlo. Lo que debemos hacer no es depender de nuestra propia fuerza, sino más bien depender en el poder del Espíritu de Dios, que es la misma presencia de Dios que nos transforma a su imagen. Lo que Dios le ofreció al pueblo en el día de Pentecostés es lo mismo que te ofrece hoy, a ti y a mí. Su mera presencia en nuestros corazones y su poder para transformar nuestras vidas. ¿Estás cansado de intentar cambiar usando tu propia fuerza? El poder del Espíritu está disponible para toda la persona que lo quiera. Y ese poder puede ayudarte a lograr cosas que solo nunca, nunca podrías hacer. ¿Y cómo hago esto? Tal vez esa es tu pregunta. Pues mira, si todo esto es muy nuevo para ti, déjame te hago una recomendación. Puedes empezar con una sencilla oración. Puedes empezar simplemente levantando tus palmas y diciéndole a Dios, Dios, sin ti no puedo. Antes de que empieces ese reto en la mañana, antes de que afrontes esa situación, ponte en las manos de Dios y dile que necesitas esos pensamientos, esa fuerza, esa fuerza de voluntad, lo que sea para depender de Él y de su Espíritu. Te va a sorprender lo que Dios puede hacer con esa oración. Si hoy deseas tener el poder del Espíritu Santo, solamente tienes que pedirlo y aceptarlo. Oh, you just, you left me hanging. <clears throat> All right. Well, so far we've seen that the Spirit of God comes at Pentecost uh, and, it, and it comes as the personal presence of God. And we've seen also that, that, uh, that the Spirit comes to be the transforming power of God. Next, I, I want to show you the, the universal message of God. This is the third thing that we see in Pentecost, this Pentecost passage in Acts chapter 2. That the Spirit comes and it means ultimately that this is a message for everyone. That the gospel, the good news of Jesus crucified and raised from the dead is a universal offer. Look at verse 5 with me in this passage. Uh, now, there were staying in Jerusalem some God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard his own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Pontus and Asia... Phrygian, Pamphylia, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues or languages. Now, first of all, we have to remember that this is happening in Jerusalem. It is the center of the universe for an Israelite person. It is the place where God promised he would establish his rule, his kingdom, and from which salvation would go to all of the nations. Now, this is also a significant Jewish feast, and so faithful Jews have come from all over the Roman world where they had been dispersed since the time of exile. 
Now, many of these people would not speak Aramaic or Hebrew, but they would have been fluent in the local dialects from the places they had been. Now, instead of hearing what they expected to hear, they each heard this proclamation of what God had just done through Jesus in their own native language. This is totally amazing, right? And the disciples uh, who spoke these languages at Pentecost hadn't learned them before Pentecost. They didn't have a Rosetta Stone program. So they had supernatural help, is the point that Luke is making. Now, this is an important point here. The text says that they are speaking understandable or known languages, okay? Now, this is different and a different kind of tongue speaking than Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. That kind of tongue speaking is... Uh, related to prayer, and it wasn't known, so it required interpretation if it was to be done in public so that people could be built up and edified and encouraged. The point Luke makes isn't about what we should expect to happen when we receive Christ in his spirit, but it's about the scope and the grandness of what God has done for the world through his Son and Spirit. This was, in other words, the marking of a new era in God's redemptive story. Are you with me? So Luke, the author of Acts, lists 15 nations collected and gathered there. He actually says every nation under heaven, but obviously he doesn't list every nation or literally mean every single nation had gathered at Pentecost. The point is that these 15 nations represented the entire world. In fact, if you trace the the list of nations all the way through the biblical story back into Genesis, you see that every 15 uh, represent uh, descendants from one of the three sons of Noah. And so in other words, the Genesis account of the nations stems from Noah's three sons, and they're all represented here in Acts 15. So why does Luke mention all of this? Why does he take the time to list them out? And what does this have to say about the coming of the Spirit and the nature of the gospel? It it means this. It means that this is a message for everyone. And the message for everyone also means the formation of a community, a diverse community, that celebrates God's kaleidoscope-like grace reflected across cultures. So what the Bible is saying with Pentecost is that in the gospel, no one culture has pride of place. No one culture is meant to be more dominant than another. No language has precedence. And so when the gospel was first declared, it was spoken in 15 languages at once. And so when Luke says they were there declaring the mighty deeds of God, it's an Old Testament way of saying the very powerful work God has done to bring about salvation. Usually in the Old Testament, it meant salvation through the exodus, freedom from slavery. Now, the same God who brought the Israelites through the waters in the first exodus has brought the world through a new exodus, through the work of his son. That's a fresh and final salvation through Jesus. Now that first Jesus community was rejoicing and they were talking about the gospel, the mighty deeds of God, but they were doing it in a way that was accessible to everybody. And so it was proclaimed in at least 15 different languages representing all cultures, every nation, all at once. 
know what this means? This means that the Christian worldview is completely unique to all worldviews. You see, most religions will come in and say, great, now you have to give up your culture and be like us. Uh, in fact, Christianity, Christianity has often done that. It's come in and colonized people rather than, in con, rather than contextualizing a message. But here's the reality. It's not just religion that does that. It's secularism that does that. It's our very own secular world that does that. It will do the same thing and say it values diversity, but in reality, every culture isn't equal. See, if you come from Africa and you go to a college, maybe an Ivy League school or whatever school, they'll say, we'd celebrate your your diversity. We love your culture. But they'll tell you that you have to give up your belief in in the spiritual world. In other words, they'll say, we love your food and your clothes and your music, but give up all that superstitious stuff. So secularism will celebrate diversity, but it will also completely flatten your culture. See, the gospel alone does two things. Only in the gospel we see this. It leaves us in our culture and it elevates us above our culture and lifts us above it. it. It leaves us in it. You see, if you follow the narrative of Acts, the rest of the book shows the apostles sharing the good news about Jesus, about the good news that Israel's God has come in the flesh, died and risen from the de- dead. And, and, and they'll proclaim this message in Jerusalem, Jum- uh, Samaria, Judea, and all of the Roman world. And uh, and they will do so without making people become converts to Judaism. See, as the gospel goes out in the book of Acts, it crosses cultural boundaries, and each time people are left within their culture. They are not made to switch languages or culture. They, they retain that. In fact, read Acts 15. It's, a, it's an incredibly important pa- passage in Scripture where the church makes decisions about what we can expect from Gentile, non-Israelite followers of Jesus. However, the gospel, while it leaves us in our culture, it also lifts us above our culture. This is profound. In other words, it calls us to a greater allegiance than our culture, to deeper loyalties than our culture. It it helps us to identify and see the idols of our culture for what they are. The gospel helps us to reject those idols while still remaining embedded as part of the fabric of our culture. The gospel is utterly unique. And so... We have to ask this question, what do we do with this? So what means this? It means that we have to be open and open ourselves up to other people. It means that we can never, as Christians, think that our own version and our own cultural bias and how we've always done things is the only way to understand following Jesus. Are you with me? Yeah. Uh, ultimately, I have to learn to see my blind spots. I have to be humble enough to hear that I have them and then receive help in growing past them. Uh, I have to be willing to learn from the richness of other people around me. And if there isn't any diversity around me, then as a Christ follower, I'm called to move into it. You see, the gospel not only offers us the personal presence of God and the transforming power of God, but also invites us into a diverse community that is formed by the universal message of God. Thank you, Pastor Matt. In this glorious day of Pentecostés, we have seen the presence personal of God Hemos visto el poder transformador de Dios y hemos visto la universalidad del mensaje de Dios. 
Pero también hay una cosa más que vemos ahí. Dios hace una hermosa, amorosa invitación a todos aquellos que estaban escuchando ese día. Incluyendo a aquellas personas que quizás eran culpables de la crucifixión de Jesús. Así que cuando estas personas escucharon en su propia lengua a los creyentes proclamar las maravillosas y portentosas maravillas que Dios había hecho a través de su Hijo Jesús, preguntaron, ¿qué significa esto? ¿Qué significa esto? Esa pregunta hizo que Pedro se pusiera de pie y en ese momento Pedro fue capturado por el poder del Espíritu Santo y le explicó a la multitud que era el don del Espíritu Santo que había hecho que estas personas dijeran y, y expresaran todas estas pro, alabanzas proféticas que miraban y escuchaban en ese momento a los cristianos decretar. Era exactamente lo que el profeta Joel había predicho que Dios haría. Dijo que en aquellos días, dice el Señor, yo derramaré mi espíritu en aquellos días y sus hijos e hijas profetizarán. Una vez establecida la base bíblica para explicar lo que ellos estaban viendo, Pedro comienza a predicar el primer sermón cristiano. Pedro predicó a Cristo, predicó su vida encarnada, predicó su muerte, predicó su resurrección y predicó su presencia inmanente. Pedro les explicó que Dios mismo había ofrecido a su Hijo. Les dijo cómo la gente lo había rechazado, lo que Jehová había hecho a pesar de su negativa y lo que ahora Dios podía, podía lo que podía pasarles a ellos si respondían positivamente al llamado de Dios a sus vidas, a Jesús. Pedro pudo explicar esto con tanta valentía porque estaba convencido de que la vida, la muerte y la resurrección del Mesías eran la manifestación inmutable de Dios, irrevocable para la salvación del mundo. Esto quiere decir, queridos amigos y hermanos, que la, el sufrimiento y la muerte de nuestro Salvador no tuvo nada que ver con la voluntad humana. Tuvo que ser con la voluntad de Dios. Fue la voluntad de Dios para el juicio y la expiación del pecado. El versículo 37 nos dice, cuando oyeron esto, todos sintieron se sintieron profundamente conmovidos. Fueron compungidos en su corazón. Entonces, ellos preguntaron, ¿qué hacemos? Hermanos, ¿qué hacemos? Una buenísima pregunta, ¿no creen? Vemos que el contenido de la predicación profética de Pedro había cortado el núcleo de sus conciencias. No es de extrañarse entonces, no es de extrañarse entonces, que esta gente preguntara, hermanos, ¿qué debemos de hacer? Y Pedro estaba listo con una respuesta. La primera invitación cristiana a una congregación. Pedro le dice, arrepiéntase y bautícese cada uno de ustedes en el nombre de Jesucristo para perdón de sus pecados y recibirán el don del Espíritu Santo. He aquí la amorosa oferta de Dios a recibir el regalo que Él les ofrecía a Jesucristo el Señor. 
Pedro dice que aceptar esta invitación implica arrepentirse. Diga conmigo arrepentirse, ¿se habla español? Arrepentirse. Implica arrepentirse, significa cambiar de opinión acerca de Cristo, significa darnos cuenta de la necesidad que tenemos de Él como Señor y Salvador de nuestra vida. Pedro dice que el arrepentimiento es necesario para el perdón de pecados. Dios, amigo, quiero que me escuches bien, Dios desea perdonarte, Dios desea liberarte, hacerte libre del poder, de la culpa y el precio del pecado, de tus pecados. Solo, déjame decirte, solo Dios puede hacer eso a través de su Hijo Jesucristo, solo Él a través de su gracia inmensa. En aquel glorioso día de Pentecostés, nos dice la Escritura, tres mil personas respondieron positivamente al llamado de Dios, a la invitación amorosa de Dios de aceptar a su Hijo Jesucristo como su único y suficiente Salvador personal. En ese glorioso día, tres mil personas aceptaron a Jesús, fueron bautizados y recibieron el don del Espíritu Santo. Aquí le voy a pedir al pastor uh, Jerry, Jerry, pastor Jerry, please translate this for me. So, la pregunta es esta. La pregunta para ti es esta. So the question for you is this. ¿Cómo responderás tú hoy a la invitación que Dios te está haciendo? Esta es la invitación que Dios te hace a ti hoy. Dice la palabra de Dios porque de tal manera amó Dios al mundo. For God so loved the world, que dio a su único Hijo son, para que todo aquel que en él cree him, no se pierda mas tenga vida porque no envió Dios al mundo, a su Hijo al mundo world, para condenar al mundo world, sino para que el mundo but, so world, pueda ser salvo por él y el apóstol Pedro hace eco a esa invitación que el apóstol Pedro había hecho a esta congregación. El apóstol Pablo hace eco a la invitación que Pedro le había hecho a esta gente en ese glorioso día de Pentecostés. Pablo dice que si confesares con tu boca que Jesucristo es el Señor y creyeres en tu corazón que Dios le levantó de los muertos, serás salvo. Si confesares con tu boca que es el Señor y creyeres en tu corazón que Dios le levantó entre los muertos, serás salvo You'll be saved. será salvo You'll be saved. esa es la oferta That's the offer. esa es la invitación That's amorosa que Dios te hace el día de hoy así que si tú estás aquí de hoy, so if you're here today, y aún no has rendido tu vida a Jesús si aún no le has hecho el Señor y Salvador de tu vida hoy Dios te invita hoy Dios a que rinda su vida a Él. Le voy a pedir a la iglesia, a la familia de Cedar Mill, I want to ask, uh, our Cedar Mill family, que incline su rostro, to bow your heads, cierre sus hermosos ojos, close your beautiful eyes, y que me ayude a interceder en oración and that you would, with me intercede through prayer, por aquellos amigos, for those friends of ours, por aquellos vecinos, for our neighbors, por aquellos familiares que hemos invitado el día de hoy, that we have compañeros made de today, trabajo, coworkers, 
que están aquí y que tú y yo sabemos necesitan entregar su vida a Jesús Padre te damos gracias por el día de hoy por este mensaje glorioso de salvación a través de tu Hijo Jesucristo pedimos en el nombre de Él que tú derrames el poder de tu Espíritu Santo sobre nuestros amigos, familiares que están aquí y que no te conocen para que tu Espíritu so that your spirit los cubra con tu amor cover them with your love. y los convenza And that it would de, su, them de su necesidad of their need de rendir sus vidas a ti to surrender their lives to you. continúe orando Continue to pray. si tú estás aquí esta, esta mañana If you're here this morning, y todavía no has entregado tu vida a Jesús hoy es el tiempo que lo hagas hoy es el tiempo que lo hagas Déjame decirte, tú no estás aquí por accidente. Tú no estás aquí por accidente. Dios tenía una cita contigo. Y Él te ama. Que ha andado buscándote. Y hoy día te ofrece su regalo. Ese es Jesucristo. Which is his son, Jesus Christ. Y si tú dices, Pastor, yo estoy listo a entregar mi vida so a Jesús. Yo quiero dar mi vida al Señor Jesús. I want to give my life to Jesus. Yo te invito a que tú hagas esta oración conmigo. La oración no es nada mágica. The, this prayer isn't a ma a magic prayer, pero es un ejercicio de tu fe. But it's just an exercise of your faith. Dirígesela a Dios. Direct this to God. Dile, Señor Jesús, God, Father, te doy gracias por enviar a Jesucristo you you a morir en mi lugar. Este día me arrepiento de mis pecados sins, y te rindo mi vida a ti. And I my life to you. Confieso que he vivido fuera de tu voluntad este día Today, por fe decido through faith I step into iniciar un, uh, un viaje contigo go into a journey with you un viaje de fe a journey of faith so Señor Jesús so uh, Jesus Lord recibe recibeme en tu familia receive me into your family y te pido en el nombre de Cristo Jesús, Padre, que me des la seguridad del perdón de pecados y la vida eterna en Cristo Jesús. Jesus Christ. Amén. Amen. Pastor Jerry, la palabra de Dios nos dice que cuando un pecador se arrepiente, hay fiesta en el cielo. We're going to wait for the translator. So he says that the word says that when there is one person that repents and turns away, that there is a party in heaven. Los ángeles hacen fiesta en el cielo. It says that the angels throw a party in heaven. Y el apóstol Juan en el capítulo 1, versículo 12 de su evangelio. John, uh, chapter 1, verse 12. Says, Dice que a todos los que creyeron y le recibieron, that to all of those who believed and received, les dio el poder. He gave them the power. Les dio la potestad. He gave them the 
pot- potestad. Derech, right. Right. De ser hechos hijos de Dios. Of, become, of being children of God. Así que nosotros queremos unirnos a esos ángeles que hicieron fiesta. So we want to join in with those angels that threw that party. Queremos pedirte y te voy a pedir que seas valiente. And I want to ask you um, to be brave here. Levanta tu mano si tú hiciste esa oración por primera vez. Would you raise your vez. hand if you pray that prayer for the first time? Gloria a Dios. Hay alguien más. Gloria a Dios. Gloria, Gloria a Dios. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Gloria a Dios. Praise the Lord. Blessed be the name of our God. To Him be all glory and honor. And maybe you didn't raise your hand. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. It's just for us. Saber de que tú lo hiciste. So that we would know that you made that decision. But if you didn't raise your hand and you made that prayer, let us, we would love to be the first de darte la bienvenida a la familia to de Dios. welcome you to God's kingdom y a la familia de Cedar Mill. and to the family here at Cedar Mill. Si tú hiciste esa oración, so quizás, if you made that prayer, te vamos a invitar que al final del servicio, we want to ask you that at the end of the service, pases al frente, that you would come forward, agarres a uno de nosotros, grab pastores, one of us pastors here on staff, queremos platicar contigo, and we would love to talk with queremos, you, and uh, we would love ángeles to be able to connect with you, to be able to celebrate with you, blessings.